We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. To the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. Thanks for joining us this morning. I am your social worker with the microphone, Catherine Zox, on Voice American Network. And joining me this morning is my co-host, Lauren Deller. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I'm hanging in. You are hanging in. You sound a lot better than, than you told me. You, she, Lauren calls me up this morning. She said, oh, I, I can't even talk. I'm hoarse. I'm sick. Because we were talking yesterday. She said, I am worse today than I was yesterday. But you sound good. Tea, hot lemon, honey, and a couple drugs. <laughs> Be careful with those drugs. I'm what kind of joking. Drugs? All I took was a leave. A leave. All right. Then we'll, we'll let you do that one. Okay, so that's a great topic for this morning before we talk to our guests. But coming up, our first guest is going to be Sandra Yancey, and she's founder and CEO of eWomenNetwork.com, which is one of the fastest-growing membership-based women's business networks in North America. So she's going to be on the show later. She also has her own radio show, and uh, I think, Lauren, maybe you were once on her show. Yeah, I'm actually uh, also supposedly speaking tonight at one of their chapters, if I feel better. <laughs> Pump it up, you'll be fine. I'm one of the, you just go and you do it, what I, and then come back and get into bed. Um, also is Dr. Harlan Weinberg. Now he's interesting because the title of the show, you know, I always have the titles on my e-cards, Lauren. Uh-huh. Internet access, which is what it's all about, because this is accessing business women and entrepreneurs and, and networking on the networking on the net. Uh, that's the first guest. But the second one, Dr. Weinberg, has a new guide to the best health resources on the web. So it's I don't know if... perfect. Yeah. Are you one of those people who, if you think you have something wrong with you, first you look it up on the net before you call the doctor? Definitely. Yeah, so do I. Don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. It and, helps, doesn't it? It informs us. And sometimes, you know, it's more information than we want, but I think it's it's good information. I have a problem with it, though. What's your um, problem? My problem is, Lauren, if I think that it's something serious, I'm a little bit reluctant to look it up because I'm afraid that I'm going to see something that I don't want to see. And so there's, so there's some denial there, and then I don't look it up, which is probably not a good thing because then I go to the doctor and I'm not armed with information. But if it's some, like, little, you know, something that I think I can manage on my own that I can actually diagnose and take care of, which they, Dr. Weinberg says don't do, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I do that. I, then I'll look it up and see, you know, maybe I have, you know, something like a dermatology thing or something like that. But if it's something that I think that I have cancer, then I, I'm afraid. Yeah, and they do, yeah, I have to say, it is scary. I mean, there's some things like my daughter had this weird little, you know, childhood normal disease a couple weeks ago. I had never heard of it. Well, the first thing that came up when I searched was Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, which people die from, you know. So I totally get the other side of it and why it's why it really cannot be a good thing to do. So what did you do when you saw that, okay, Rocky Mountain spotted fever? <laughs> and of course, then she has every single symptom. You're positive exactly. that that's what she has. Exactly. She could have nothing else but Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Yeah, and, and no- I, yeah, it was a really weird thing. So I called the doctor immediately, freaking out, and I said, I think I need to bring my daughter in. Something's not right. And I told her the symptoms, and then she says, don't even bring her in. It's this other mild thing that will go away in three days. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, and and I, I remember once one of my boys had this, and this is, you know, if you think about it, this big lump on his knee that wouldn't go away, and I was terrified. And the doctor looked at it, well, it's 
it's we'll see you know it should go away you know maybe he got bumped or something like that but it didn't go away and all then i got to the point where you know here he's 12 years old that's exactly the age especially boys that get uh, cancer of the bone with a lump right on their oh jeez i could not get over you know that was absolutely what it had to be i did not sleep or eat for two or three weeks made an appointment at the best specialist in boston uh-huh. it turned out to be from some baseball accident that you know that was like water on the knee oh or something God. like that but i had, i was convinced i was absolutely convinced i think that's what mothers that's what we tend to do i think we do it as a uh, way to protect ourselves like how will i handle the worst yeah worst case scenario yeah yeah, I do that all the time. Um, but I'm trying to get away from that because that's... I am too because it doesn't serve us. No, it's and a lot of... the time, it does, it's nothing. What, uh, now, I want to just... What about Hillary and what about Obama? Oh, I my want God. To, what yeah, a tight race. Yeah, Craziness. So what do you think? I mean, I'm I'm like this Hillary fan going around. I'm in the beauty parlor yesterday getting my hair cut and colored and um, talking to the, the gal who cuts my hair and... She, you know, people are a little bit reluctant to say who they're voting for because they don't know what your, you know, how you feel about it. But she said, "Oh, I like Hillary," and I, so then I gave a big speech, and <laughs> <laughs> hoping that everybody around me would hear, uh-huh. getting their hair cut and colored and washed. But um, I think she did really well. I think under pressure with the last debates that she did, um, I think she looks very presidential. Um, and I'm just very much. I, I mean, I'm on her team. I actually, I have a. I want them to team up. Yeah. Well, I don't know but how do you want to happen? Yeah. I don't know. You well, I think it, it doesn't. Well, I'm speaking to you. We should make Hillary president and Obama, you know, vice president. I think they'd win in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, I think you're right. I absolutely do. But the point is, how do, I mean, I, I keep hearing like they are. Are they? Do they get along? Do they not get along? Or I, mean, I don't know. Or is it just media hype? I have no idea. I think they do get along. I do. I just my own intuition of watching them interact. I notice how they look at each other. I notice how they communicate. Like when they're, I just think that they do get along. And I think that the other stuff was hype and show. Yeah. Well, you can't tell. That's that's the difficult part. Kind of siphoning off. You know, like what's the media? What's the real story? And I I was on the net this morning. And I don't. Do you ever go to this website, Alternet? I don't know that one. Alternet is a great resource for getting the other side of the picture from the mass media like that you get on CNN or MSNBC or NBC or ABC or all of the, the, the mainstream huh. news channels. Uh, if you go to Alternet, it kind of gives you a different perspective, Alternet. And they one, kind of surprised me talking about the soft, the, the title of the article was The Soft Bigotry of High Expectations. Um, in other words, you know, huh. just... There were a lot of feminist uh, writers and authors and magazines. Lipstick magazine. I don't know if you've heard of. I've lipstick. never heard of that. Yeah, Lip magazine. Lip magazine. Okay. Uh, uh, one of the, the founders of Lip magazine was commenting on the fact that you know maybe our expectations, you know, of putting Hillary in the White House that she's going to further the cause of women may not be true. It can backfire. No, no, I think uh, it's totally true. I, I mean, think it's absolutely true. It raises our bar. It breaks it. Again, as we talked about with another guest a couple of weeks ago, it breaks the glass ceiling of what's possible for women. But she's saying that that may not, that we could sort of shoot ourselves in the foot. You have to be careful. Because if you put her in the White House as representing, you know, that, you know, the first woman in the White House, the expectations are that um, she's going to change the, which is what I've been saying, the, the course of history for women and what happens is that if she does something wrong or even if she's not a good president, 
it's not necessarily because they'll blame it on her because she's a woman. See, we should never have a woman in the White House rather than on, you know, other the real issues. The real issues, whatever the real issues happen to be. So we have to be really careful about that. And I do think it's how we um, position how she handles failure. Of course, people are going to fail. Every every president failed at some, you know, some things. It's how yeah. they handle it. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, I mean, that she's that in, in this particular article on Alternet, she but they were saying that. Um, yeah, it may not be that she fails. I mean, maybe there's a systematic resistance to change, and that's a difficult thing. For, that will be a difficult thing for her to do. I mean, we are, you know, our country is in a mess, whether it's Obama or Hillary. Or Absolutely, or, yeah. someone's got a big mess on their hands. Whoever yeah, first, it is, first day. But I do think that that uh, one of the um, I don't know if it's one of the political mantras that she uses. You know, the first day that she gets into office, she's ready to go. I mean, she doesn't have she to says learn that the ropes. Yeah, no, she says she's, she's going to hit the ground running. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I love her suits. I love her I'm, suits, too. And I love what she said the other day. I heard her on one of the news shows. She said, you can be positive. I'll be wearing the pantsuits at the White House. I heard that. I like that, too. <laughs> and she's wearing these spectacular pantsuits, by the way, not just her regular black and brown sort of, but she's got these, like, she had this gorgeous yellow pantsuit on the other day. She looks really good. Someone's doing well dressing her. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is it. I mean, the stakes are high. I wondered who that, you know, it would be interesting, who is the person who does her hair, makeup, and clothes? She definitely has people doing it because oh, she, yeah. she looks great. Yeah, but, I, I mean, whoever that person is. I mean, yeah, Or people. Looks... I think there might be a team. <laughs> at, at 60, you need a team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that, but no. Uh, well, well how... you're speaking from experience, but you I'm... don't need a team either. Yeah, well, I, I need more of a team than I used to need, but... Um... Speaking of a team, I mean, you're sick. I know you were doing business this past week, and you're back. You have a baby. You have a lecture tonight. You have, you're have you on the radio today. So how are you doing it? Come on, give some. How give do you, some and that's give. actually, I think a part of it is saying, what, how much can I do and how much can't I do? So, you know, I'm, I am really, I have to drive almost four hours to get to my 35-minute, you know, 40-minute presentation tonight. So it is a big deal. But, you know, the question is, is where do we draw the line of what we can and can't do? I mean, I heard Hillary say the other day, it was so nice to sleep in my own bed. You know, those are the little luxuries that we have to start paying attention to of, you know, how do we take care of ourselves when we are doing it all? So how are, okay, tell us how are you take care, taking care of yourself? What are you doing? Well, I didn't get out of bed this morning I until I text messaged you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on the show in five minutes, and, yeah, and I'll do it for my know, bed. I, my husband did the whole morning routine as best as he could this morning, and that wasn't in his plans. You know, it's it's not doing it all. But does he do the? Does he ever, or is it split up in terms? Of, I hear like uh, he did the morning routine because you're sick, you're not feeling well, you've got a lot on your plate today. But did he do it because he does it once, twice a week, or did he do? Cause he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. He did it because I, re- I literally didn't get out of bed and someone else had to do it. <laughs> or the baby would have stayed in bed. Yes, and he would have not- she's, yes, because quiet. Mom, and then a few minutes later, Dad, Mommy, Daddy. A few minutes later, it gets a little louder, and I didn't budge, and usually I do, and he got the message. And he got up and he did what he had to do and exactly. made the breakfast. and Exactly. Yeah. See, I'm hearing all, you know, I, I just find it really interesting because this is like such a... A uh, typical kind of pattern of what happens and where women get stuck. I mean, I mean, it's like 
I mean, and you're one of the experts, but when it comes down to it, there's still that expectation that you're going to get up and do your same routine, even if you're sick, even if you don't feel well, even if, there, you know. Yeah, and the expectation of, you know, there's nothing that gets in the way. And I think that in order to do it all, we have to stop and take the time to say, I need a break, you know. I think that's it's important to take care of ourselves in the process of doing it all. I think you need a plan. Uh, I'm your social worker with a microphone because <laughs> over these next few years you will get sick and he will get sick and that's just the way, that's what happens in families, moms and dads. So you need a plan for that. You need a plan for when I, if I'm sick and you're not, then this is like an automatic thing. It's not like, oh my God, what are we going to do? You can't handle it all, mom. No, I, no, I do think that that's an important there needs to be flexibility with on both sides, mother, father, you know, even like, you know, the person that is my contact tonight. I called her this morning just so I'm giving you a heads up. I don't know I don't know what I'm gonna do yet. I really feel lousy and let's talk about it in two hours and see where we're at. So I do think that we need to be flexible as humans. Sometimes I think we hold people to such expectations that it's just not realistic all the time. I'm much more, I think it's easier for me to be flexible within the context of the family. If I've made a commitment outside of the family, a business commitment, as long as I'm still walking, I, I, I will do it if I made, you know, if I said I was, I mean, of course, unless I can't literally get out of bed, but I will get up and do it and then just come back and collapse. Yeah. But I yep. won't cancel the, the lecture. The I won't cancel the yeah. business deal. Yeah. I definitely don't. I, that, and I don't know if that's good either, but anyway. I don't, know if it, I don't think it's good or bad. I think it just is where we draw the line. I generally have been like that. And um, up until now, I said, you know, I, I'll go to anything and do anything um, and not cancel. And there's repercussions of it for me because what's on the other side of it is, you know, four days with a two-year-old. Yeah. Four days with a two-year-old, you're talking to Lauren Beller or you're listening to Lauren Beller. I like that. That's the title of a book, Four Days with a Two-Year-Old. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on Voice America Women's Network. Coming up in this hour is Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomenNetwork.com. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. I have three children, and I've been raising my 16-year-old sister. Mary Gallagher and her family shared a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Now Habitat for Humanity is helping her build a simple, decent, affordable home of her own. When we first found out that we were getting a Habitat home, it was like a dream. I kept saying, don't anybody wake me up. Not only is Mary helping build her own home, she'll buy it with a no-profit, zero-interest mortgage to keep it affordable. Habitat came out and built my home, and when Mary started building her house, I wanted to come out and give a hand. We're not just building Mary's house, we're building a neighborhood. There's several more to be built this year, and I look forward to working on each of their houses and seeing the joy of their face when they open the door to their brighter future. Habitat for Humanity. Building homes, changing lives. Support the work in your community. Visit Habitat.org. I feel very blessed. God has answered all of my prayers. We are home. 
Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's Channel. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zoff Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us this morning on Voice America Women's Network. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and my co-host is Lauren Beller. And joining Lauren and me this morning is Sandra Yancey. She's founder and CEO of eWomenNetwork.com, which is the fastest-growing membership-based women's business network in North America, with a database of over 400,000 women business owners and executives. Sandra hosts the E-Women Network radio show also and has established the E-Women Network Foundation to address the physical and financial health of underprivileged women and children. And Sandra is also, just to, to add to this resume, a mother of two and first-generation Hispanic American. She credits her own mother for giving her the strength to follow her dreams. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Sandra. Catherine, it's great to be on the show with you. Yeah, it's wonderful to have another uh, radio talk show host because there's always something to talk about. It's not a problem. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes, but uh, this is really exciting because I'm actually going to be at one of the meetings here in Albany and going to be giving a, a talk for the first oh, time. Terrific. Yeah, terrific. Which, yeah, which is going How to be... How lucky the ladies of Albany are to hear you and see well, you. Thank you. I don't know about seeing me. That's the one thing. I don't know about you, but, you know, I can sort of hide behind my microphone. I love it. And then when people actually see you, they're like, oh, you know. <laughs> there's days when I show up for the show and I'm thinking, thank God I'm not on the television. Exactly. I'm perfect face today for radio. <laughs> You've got that right. And it's sort of like, do you ever think about, oh, you know, I'm, I'm on radio. It would be nice to be on TV. And then I'm thinking just, you know, the example you oh. gave. I don't think so. <laughs> I can't imagine all that extra work. <laughs> exactly. This is it's much easier. All we have to do is talk. And that's what we want you to do. Talk about it. eWomenNetwork.com because it's, it's, it's an amazing organization. And um, you started this, what, in 19, what 2006? 2000. Mm-hmm. Yep. 2000. September of 2000 is when I officially opened the door. But I'd been working on, you know, the business plan and the market study, et cetera, for about a year prior. Well, you came from a business background, right? Fifteen mm-hmm. years as as a major corporate businesswoman. Right. Um, but then, so tell us what? How did you? What made you decide? Why did you say, "Well, hey, I'm," uh, you know, obviously you saw a need for yeah. this. Yeah. Well, you know, I loved corporate America like many women do, and I, you know, popped out my shingle and called myself a consultant like many of us do, and uh, started my practice. The dilemma for me, Catherine, is that I had left corporate America because I was living on the road. I was living out of a suitcase, always on a plane, and uh, the, the problem for me is that while I had been there a total of actually 16 years, 13 years into that, I was childless. I had been married. I've been married 30 years this year. And, Congratulations. Um, Yes, thank you. That's probably my greatest accomplishment, and that's <laughs> that another is. topic. Yeah, it is another topic. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, you know, we'd, I'd been married 13 years before we decided to have a, ch- a child, 
And uh, then we decided to do that, and my life changed like so many women do. Here I was, a very career-focused, you know, on constantly working on my education, on progressing up the corporate ladder, and suddenly I wanted a little bit more um, control over my life. So I left corporate America to get off the road, and my problem is, is that I reinvented my nightmare because when I left, um, the company ended up, it was a major, at the time, Fortune 500 company, no longer today, but they had sold their business to a European company, and they, that European company took the company over and, and did a series of layoffs of about 4,000 people. That benefited me because those people went back into the workforce and landed these wonderful peachy jobs all across the United States, and what? They did. They called me. And so I had this incredible portfolio of clients, Dow Jones and, you know, Coca-Cola and Levi Strauss and NCR, you name it. Great portfolio, very sexy. The problem is I now was doing the exact same thing, which was the exact same reason why I left corporate America, except that I had added way more fuel to the fire because now I didn't have anybody to change the toner in the friggin' fax machine. <laughs> My computer wasn't working, and there was no help desk to say, come and fix this. I mean, I was trying to do it all. And I just decided, you know, something's got to change. And it was my husband, I give him credit for saying, you know, we live in North Dallas in Plano, Texas, and literally at the time, 10 miles from my house is world headquarters for Frito-Lay and J.C. Penney's and Cadbury Schweppes had a major, you know, complex. As did Countrywide, you know, the, all these major corporations right in my own backyard. I had none of them as clients, and I thought, you know what? They just don't know that I exist. So I'm going to go start networking, something I hadn't really had to do before. And that's when I realized, at least here in Dallas, at the time when I went networking, it was just a real good old boys network. I mean, I was there. I was part of it, but I was relegated to being in the stands. I was observing this phenomenal interaction of men supporting and helping each other gain the information, clients, you know, and uh, resources that they need to grow their businesses. And I wanted uh, in the game. All right. So how did you get into the how, – oh, you're, you're there. You're alone, it sounds like to me. Yeah. To say, I mean, you're making the coffee. You're doing everything. And yet right. here, yeah, all these big guys mm-hmm. there, and no one's going to let you in the door. Right. They're, they're, they let me in the door, but they, 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 let me, they left me out the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted in the game, you in know. In the game, yeah. And so I thought, well, okay, let me go to these women's groups. And at the time, again, at the time and the moment in time that I was going, I found that women's groups were awfully social and that women had a hard time talking about making money. It was almost as if cash was a dirty four-letter word. And don't and, you think, Sandra, they still do? I think it's still I an do, issue. I do, Catherine. Yeah. I yeah. absolutely do. And that's part of what I want women to understand is that cash is a wonderful thing. There is nothing wrong with having lots of it. And it's not from a greed perspective. It's because, if for no other reason, we are the philanthropists on the planet. It is women who really show up and do what needs to be done to change the things that we feel are unjust. Now, when we can now write the check and show up, we will impact and change the world individually and collectively. And, but we need cash to do that. So it's a really good thing to say, I want to make a lot of money. That is not something we should be ashamed of or afraid of. So how do we do that with eWomenNetwork.com? Well, I, I, when you come to an eWomen Network event and you join us as a membership, uh, you'll soon find out that we are first and foremost a giving organization. Because I really do believe, Catherine, that success is about is really measured on, your personal success is measured on your ability to help as many other people be successful. Because when you help others and you put it out in the universe, it bounces right back at you, tenfold in many ways. And so we really are uh, have a philosophy and a culture of, 
you know, we've got to help each other share information, resources, and contacts. And so that's what we do. And we put you in structured sessions whereby you will meet women. Even if you show up with your girlfriend, don't sit with her. You already know her. All right? Go and, you know, divide and conquer. Work the rooms for each other and refer each other and be able to talk about who you are, what you do, and what you need in the next 30 days because that's the biggest business challenge that women have today. I have surveyed my entire database, and they've said women are, struggle with three things. One is more client acquisition. The second is promoting who they are and you know, from a marketing perspective. And the third is gaining you know, additional cash flow. Well, if you can promote who you are and gain customers, you'll get the cash flow, and that's exactly what our model is all about. Yeah, so you talk about it takes teamwork to make the dream work. Is that the mantra? Yeah, you know, Catherine, none of us makes it alone, right? You didn't make it alone. I didn't make it alone. And the biggest problem we have is it's almost like we wear it as a badge of honor, this whole multitasking, multitasking. I'm saying crap to that. Really successful people focus. And as women, we need to understand that we need to surround ourselves with people way smarter than us on the things that don't really add value to our bottom line and delegate it out so that we can work the phones and pick up and meet people and be clear about how we can help other people, and when they ask us how they can help us, that we don't, you know, that we're very specific. You know, we ask for exactly what we need. Yeah, I think that's the key, though. Exactly, asking for what we need. I think that, I mean, that's sort of the, that's a very difficult thing, I think, for women to do. I mean, it, it, which is what we've been talking about. But you know, making money, uh, but at the same time being able to ask for what we need. And how do we get out of that? How do we, I mean, I think that's a really difficult kind of mindset to get out of for women in business. Right. Well, at eWomen Network, we force it because we we actually have, you know, a process, a facilitated process where you you introduce yourself and you follow you know, a format that says, here's who I am, here's what I do, here's how I benefit my customers, and here's what I'm looking for in the next 30 days. Not in three years, but what is it that I need in the next 30 days? Because that helps you keep focused. And as, if you're clear about what your goals are over the next year, then you need to set those, my, those milestones and make sure that you meet them month after month after month, divide them into four since you know what your quarterly results are supposed to be, and you're driving it so that you get that success. And we facilitate that process. And we don't leave it to happenstance. We don't wish for you to do that. We don't recommend it. We drive it in our sessions. We drive it in everything that we do, even our international conference um, in July here in Dallas. I mean, you will come with problems. We will say, we're going to put you in a wisdom circle. You talk about what your challenge is, and you just receive the advice and the, and the information that others who, who have probably been in your shoes, because most of us have, you know, can give you so that you can really think about not wallowing what is in what isn't going right, but thinking about strategizing how you're going to change things to make things better. All right, so Sandra, there's no hoping and wishing and any of that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a very specific eWomen Network, very focused, and yes. there are very, as you say, very specific. I don't even want to call them guidelines. You, you right, tell right. you tell women what to do or what has to be done in order. Exactly, to, Catherine. Yeah. There's a difference between dreams and wishes. You know, dreams are the things that you dream about, and those are valid. But at some point, you've got to wake up and work the dream so it doesn't turn into a nightmare, you know. Yep. And so that's what we do. We guide you through working it. All right, so let's be specific before we before we say goodbye because eWomenNetwork.com, listeners, how do they join? What do they do? Um, they're listening. They want to be a part of it. Let's... Well, all they need to do, thank you for that, Catherine. Yep. All you need to do very simply is go to eWomenNetwork.com. All one word, no hyphens, just eWomenNetwork.com. 
um, our website is pretty robust, and you will see right there a map of North America. We have 136 chapters across the United States and Canada. Click for the city nearest you, or if you're traveling, you know, that's the cool thing. When you join eWomen Network, you don't join a chapter. You join an international community of phenomenal businesswomen, very focused, serious businesswomen, and you're welcome anywhere. Come check us out, and then we'll ask you to join a community of women who are really um, focused on supporting other women in business. Yeah, that is so exciting. I was also thinking you talk about if you're traveling, people move around a lot too. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so you know, you're east coast, west coast. It, yeah. it can always find you, no matter where you, no matter if somebody has to move or relocate. You're there. Yeah, change locations, change yeah. jobs, or change husbands. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a changing husbands will be. De- <laughs> that's another show too. Anyway, it's not yeah. great having you on the show this morning. <laughs> What did you say? I said it is great to have you on the show this oh, morning. Really Catherine, enjoyed thank it. Thank you yeah. so much. And I'm sure I'll be in Albany soon. My yeah, very, very to... best friend from oh. uh, graduate school lives in Albany. Okay, well, come see her and come see me too. I'd love to do that. Okay, thanks. Thanks so much. Sandra Yancey, eWomen Network. She's the CEO and founder and has her own radio show. So you can go to their website, eWomenNetwork.com. I'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Catherine Zock, Voice America Women's Network. Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh, uh, there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. JackLavane.com presents Jack Lavane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine Lavane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris Lavane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how, three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack Lavane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celeste Ranisi's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. 
Welcome back. I'm Catherine Fox, your social worker with the microphone. Thank you for joining us this morning. You're listening to Voice America Women's Network. And joining me this morning is Dr. Harlan Weinberg, Dr. Weinberg's guide to the best health resources on the web. The Internet, as we all know, can be a vast, intimidating place when you're looking for honest, informative medical information. And you can look up thousands of sites on Google at the click of a mouse, but do you know if the advice on a particular site is good or if followed might worsen your condition? Well, Dr. Dr. Weinberg's new bet... Dr. Weinberg's Guide to the Best Health Resources on the Web will help us to avoid that problem. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Doctor. Thank you very much, Catherine, and it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a great... And I didn't mention that you are also the current, currently the Medical Director of the Intensive Care Unit, Northern Westchester Hospital in Mount Kisco, New York, so you're not too far from me. No, I'm, uh, I've, I've been working at Mount Kisco at Northern Westchester Hospital for... Well, I'm into my 22nd year now. 22nd year. Well, okay, so you are the, the physician, the expert, critical care. Doctor, why did you decide to do this best health resources on the web? Um, why do we need this? Well, I think we need it for a couple of reasons, Catherine. I think with the growing use of the Internet for many different reasons for people, health care being one of them, people need to understand that not everything that's posted on the web is accurate. And as we all know, when you go to a search engine and put in a topic, you can get anywhere from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions of websites that come back. And your next question is, where am I going next? And what I tried to do was put together a very focused educational and academic guide to health-related topics. And And in the book, I covered not only clinical materials, such as illness and disease, but I also covered social issues as they relate to healthcare delivery today, and I also did a section for those patients who speak Spanish in attempting to get them to Spanish websites that have quality information regarding their healthcare. But what about, Doctor, things change so quickly? And this is a comprehensive guide. It's excellent. Um, And you also have alternative and complementary medicine. I want to mention that because I think that's a really important, um, those are important resources today. Uh, But now what about, though, does it, do these Internet uh, websites change too quickly? Or, you know, do they stay reliable? Or, you know, how does that work? Well, it's, it's a good point that you bring up. I think that, There's no question that with the ability to change information very rapidly on the web, websites certainly can change, and they can certainly go out of date. And one of the things that I believe is important when people, and whether it's, you know, patients, family members, you know, or even healthcare professionals are looking for information on the web, you've got to be wary of how frequently the site is updated. And does the website say on it the last time that the site was updated in regards to their information? And I think along with that, the other two critical points that have to be looked at are who's the source of the information being provided? Are they recognized authorities within healthcare? 
You know, Doctor, that's a good point because I know when I'm looking, and now I have your resource guide, which is great, but looking things up on the net, um, sometimes I'm, I'm a little bit leery. It's a drug company, for instance, if it has to do with the, the you know statin drugs, and I'm looking up information about that. But it's the drug company that's selling the statins that's giving you the information. So that's going to be a little bit biased, isn't it, if you if you use that information? Um, you know, that's you, one of Yeah. I... I think that, you know, one of the other criteria that you need to look at is with the information that's being provided, is there a bias to the presentation of what you're reading? And whether this is from companies that are advertising or other non-health information materials that are on the site, it's a big concern, and I think that clearly, you know, certain groups are going to have their own interests in trying to promote their products. Now, you talk about, Dr. Weinberg, bridging the gap between traditional doctors and, and Googling. And I have a question because I know some of the physicians that I see, uh, and maybe it's the older ones, I don't know, or maybe I'm, that's a bias, but, uh, you know, that you walk into the office, you have information that you have, that you, perhaps you have gotten, say from your book, you know, reliable internet resources, and you want to present it to them, and they are threatened by it. They don't want to hear it. They don't, um, not all, but I think that there is, that, that's an issue in terms of communication between patient and doctor. Well, I think, you know, you raise a very interesting point, but I, I think one of the things that we're all going to see happen in the near future and probably over the next five to ten years is that there's going to be a profound move towards making the healthcare system almost entirely electronic so that not only do physicians have access to patient health information, but patients will have their own access as well as the access to informational resources. And as the environment within which we practice changes, and I think that electronic medicine is certainly the next big step in trying to help promote greater uniformity when looking at patient records for physicians, as well as trying to improve patient safety and patient outcome um, given the accuracy of the information that you're going to have available to you. And I want to give you an example of that because the other day I had to I went to the orthopedist, and this is the first, at least, physician that I deal with that did this. But when I went to make the appointment, uh, they said you can go online and you know set up the appointment, set up your appointment online, and then there was a little box for what are your symptoms, what are your concerns, what are your problems. And so by the, when I got there, he had all that information, uh, you know, printed out because I had done it online. Now, I don't know if this, I haven't seen this. This is the first time I had done that now. I don't know if that's something that's, I mean, that's a, I thought was a great idea. It saved a lot of well, time. I yeah. think, you know, I think one of the things that people are looking at when they look at electronic medical records is can we improve the efficiency of our system with healthcare delivery? And I think the hope is that electronic medical records not only will help to improve health efficiency, but will also be able to make the connection between doctor and patient much greater and much more focused. So, Dr. Not, Weinberg, are they teaching this in medical school? I mean, now as we speak, I mean, are there? It, it, 
seem to me this would be a, an additional course or, well, or something. I, 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 I know that. I, I can't speak for medical school curriculum, you know, but I do know that, you know, a large number of the, of the university hospital programs around the country are all converting to electronic records. So this is now part of the daily interactions that physicians and physicians in training will have. And are we also, it has to do with changing attitude. It's simply not, it, it simply, it, it isn't just related to electronics. For instance, the attitude maybe of the physician and the patient and communication has to change because the physician then has to, I guess, make the assumption, well, the patient really does have access to information, and maybe in some cases more information than I have access to as the physician. You know what I'm saying? So that there's a, it sets up a very different dialogue between the patient and the doctor. Um, I would agree with you. I, I think that there, you know, there were a couple of things. You know, clearly, you know, we as physicians or all of us who are in the healthcare profession, you know, have certain resources that we use on an ongoing basis, whether they're in print or whether they're online. Um, in an attempt to try to keep up to date and informed with all of the changes that take place in healthcare, and and now you have a growing group of very proactive patients who are actively using the internet to obtain more information about their health needs, and I think that as this growth continues to develop, it's clearly going to reshape the vision and the future of how healthcare is going to be practiced, you know, in this country. Yeah, the whole delivery system, it seems to me, as you say, doctor, just com- changes completely. I mean, and even I think maybe the expectation of the patient is because not only is there more information, but there are a lot more alternatives and choices, and I don't think you can expect one physician to have all the answers, can you? That, that it's a, I Well, mean, I don't a- think... I think there are very few people who know everything about everything that's out there. But I think, I think clearly what the, what the Internet helps to provide is the ability to access information that is reliable and authoritative within the area of health care that your specific needs may be. And, you know, whether it's in critical care medicine, whether it's in pediatrics, whether it's in alternative and complementary medicine, uh, or physical therapy, whatever the whatever the area of medicine is, the internet is going to help refine people's abilities to search for the best possible possible resources. Dr. Weinberg, what has been the response of the medical community to your book, Dr. Weinberg's Guide to the Best Health Resources on the Web? I mean, I think you know, with, with the people that I've spoken to so far, I think everyone has been pleased with the content of the book and the resources that. I've cited in the book because if if you look at what's been published, what what my guide does that previous books haven't is that I've been able to deliver a more comprehensive, more focused look at quality resources that both patients and physicians can use. Yeah, and it's great because it really does kind of nail down all you know from cancer lung cancer to kidney disorders, obesity, you really do organ donation even. You cover everything in this book. It's a great guide, and uh, I was madly looking up things <laughs> last night. But um, 
I, listeners can buy the book online, bookstores everywhere, because we've only got about 30 seconds to go, so yep, I want to make book, sure. The, the book's available on Amazon.com, um, Borders, Barnes & Noble, or your favorite bookseller who's ever around the corner from wherever you live. Right. And, and yeah. also, if you go to one of your websites, and uh, I'm not sure which one it is, it will listeners can go and find out what your favorite uh, web resources are. You've got a whole list, the top ten, I guess. If, if, if they go to... Um, the, it, it was a newspaper article I did, and I believe it's www.lohud.com. Yeah, that's it. And with the article that they did uh, for Dr. Weinberg's guide, I listed ten sites that I thought were valuable resources, including a, a fairly comprehensive site for Spanish-speaking patients, Terrific. It's great. We could keep on talking, but it's great having you on the show this morning, and uh, you'll have to keep us updated. It's Dr. Weinberg's Guide to the Best Health Resources on the Web. Dr. Harlan Weinberg, thank you so much. Catherine, thank you so much for having me here this morning. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Voice America Women's Network. I'm your social worker with a, a microphone, and we'll be back in a minute. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Tired of those fad diets and exercise routines that you don't stick with? Want to find a better way to incinerate fat and energize your life without those worthless pills or gimmicks? Then tune in every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific to Fitness Truth with hosts Zach Hunt and A.J. Roberts. Achieve your weight loss and fitness goals and maintain them for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. That's Fitness Truth, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Did you know your child's asthma attacks can be triggered by things like shower curtains, a blanket, even a teddy bear? I feel like I'm choking. And there are many other things in your home and your child's classroom you may not know about. For the latest information, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Sometimes I... My parents have to take me to the hospital. Help prevent your child's asthma attacks and avoid the emergency room. Call toll-free 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. That's 1-866-662-8822. Or visit www.noattacks.org. I don't want to feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zoff Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. 
Welcome back to the Catherine Zox Show. Thanks for joining us this morning on Voice America Women's Network. I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller. I'm your social worker with a microphone, and uh, we've just been talking to Dr. Harlan Weinberg, and he has a new book out, which is called Dr. Weinberg's Guide to the Best Health Resources on the Web. So what do you think, Lauren? This book um, is really very comprehensive, and I was just going to maybe go through some of the websites you tell me what you're interested. What would you like? What are you interested in? And I can find the resources for you. <laughs> oh, definitely not Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. No, or we're staying away from that one. <laughs> um, but I think what would I be interested in? Look up. Is it by ailment or? Well, actually, by... he has. He starts out the book with general health resources, and some of them I have not heard of before. Cool. Um, e medicine. I never heard of that. Yeah, and that's a general health resource. eMedicine.com. So that gives you information about everything from plastic surgery to orthopedics, radiology, sports medicine, um, and he gives uh, probably about ten of those. Medscape, MidConsult, MD Links. And those are new ones. You know, I used to do, uh, what is it, something WebMD, right? That's, That's what I, I always do. Yeah. yeah. Is well, that on his list? Uh, no, I, I don't see it on the is list. Is it that interesting? Yeah, I, I don't see it on the list. I mean, I don't think it is on the list. I don't know, unless it's in another section. But anyway, so those were a couple. Those were the general ones. So he splits it up into general, you know, just generalized medicine and then various and generalized health resources like uh uh, Journal Watch and and uh, publishing companies and well NIH of course that you would know and then he goes to the specific diseases like AIDS and he's got all the allergies and immunology um, alternative medicines which I'm always interested in uh-huh. I'm glad to hear he represents that well you know I find Lauren that most of the Western doctors now or are physicians who practice Western medicine uh, are getting in are Alternative medicine is part of their practice, some more than others, but it certainly isn't something that they look down on or, you know, that they used to look down upon and say, oh, you know, you're taking herbal medicine. Forget about it. They don't do that anymore. They're embracing it. I'm finding it as well. Sort of refreshing. That's a different trend. But um, then they have, he has like emergency medicine. Oh, here's one for you. Here's the flu. We can oh, get perfect. into Rocky Mountain spotted fever. <laughs> no, I don't have that, but I do have the I'm sure it's the flu. But um, that's interesting. So what's the flu? What's the? Where should I go to get information on the flu? Oh, now I just lost the page. I knew you were going to ask me that after <laughs> I did that. And he's got a lot of cross-cultural stuff, too, and, of course, obesity. But he also talks about something that, you know, we. What, um, this is interesting, uh, on the web, that you can get cyber crondia. What Cyber. is that? Well, it's like hypochondria. You know, oh, you get oh cyber. interesting. Hypo, and, and I can see that happening. I totally can see that happening. Yeah, you get obsessed with you know diseases and you know do I have it? And but if you start looking up this stuff on the you know medical stuff on the web all the time, that you can get uh, here's a new disease, cyberchondria. Then Isn't that have, interesting? Have, mm-hmm. That'll be a new psychiatric. Um, definition diagnosis they're going to have to, psychiatrists are going to have to deal with it doesn't surprise me at all because really what it's doing is it's just giving us fuel for our fire of it's educating us in a way that is sometimes really powerful in other ways powerful to the point that it's um you know as like hypochondriac it's too much information cyberchondria information overload yeah i totally can see that that's scary stuff right well i think we have to be uh realistic you know where would my daughter get Rocky Mountain spotted fever? Craziness, you know. So that <laughs> from her mother. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, but the point is, is that I think that we just let our again, like we talked about, you know, we let our 
brains work on overload of what's the worst case scenario, and most times it's nothing. And, it's, Not, it's, you know, I, and I have thing. to, and I'm going to generalize about that, Lauren. I think it oftentimes is moms rather than dads, and I'm going to give you an example, and I, maybe some of the, uh, the ladies out there can identify. But uh, when my uh, my middle son is always, if he's very pale, and work a family who has our we're not pale, we tend to have darker skin, darker white skin, but he has white, white skin, and he's blonde. And so when he was in middle school, he looked, and he's thin. So the combination, I, I at one point I looked at him and I thought, and he was ill one day, and I thought, oh, my God, he, he, there's something wrong with him. He's so Major, white. There's something majorly wrong. Something majorly wrong. He, he's white. He's skinny. Uh, he took him to the pediatrician. He said, no, there's nothing wrong with him. He has, I don't know what, you know, maybe the flu, maybe whatever. But it seemed to me that he just, and he was tired all the time. <laughs> well, middle school kids get tired a lot. You know, that's all part of that prepubescent stuff, and you're going uh-huh. going through puberty. And I kept calling the doctor, and I finally I said to him, do you think he needs to get blood work, or do you think I need to see a psychiatrist? And he said, I think you need to see a psychiatrist. That was so great of you. Good it for was you. So, yeah, it was great of me, and it was great of him, to be honest. And he was right. Uh, he was right on both counts. But, um, I mean, that was I, I, I realized it was my own concern, my own fear. He, you know, changing body, and he just... He was fine, but it was it was it was it was I not not him. So that was that's my mom's story, but that's what happens. That's a great story. Yeah, and, and that's a good doctor. Yeah, you know well, he can he can have a conversation about it and tell you the truth of what he's thinking, and you know he's not trying to make more money. No, definitely. Well, this doctor definitely wasn't. He was. I mean, pediatricians I think get paid the least on the doctor. They really scale. do, and they're so busy. You know, they don't busy. they don't need to see another kid if they don't need to. Well, they have two patients. They have the parent and the kid. Exactly. And they, so, and they've got, and they get paid the least amount of money. So, why? What's happening with that? That's a whole, that's another issue. Primary care physicians, pediatricians, not getting paid enough. And one of the problems is today, young, smart, young doctors don't go into pediatrics and primary care for that reason. It's true. They go into anesthesiology yeah. or yeah, where there's, there's big dollars. Radiology. Yep. And so the. Unfortunately, I think what begins to happen is the creme de la creme of, of, of the students and stuff don't go into primary care where, of course, diagnosing is really important because that's really the first step in making the right kind of diagnosis. Um, like John Ritter. Have you been reading about the John Ritter situation? No. What's up with John Ritter? Well, he's dead, but um, John oh, right. Ritter. He is dead. Right, yeah. right, right. Sorry. Well, I he died that. that. He had a, they, initially when he died, and everyone, John Ritter was that wonderful um, two, three's company. Three's company, right. Yeah. Uh, well, his widow is now suing. She all sued the oh, hospital. Wow. Now she's suing the doctors because he was improperly uh, treated. Oh, well, wow. he was, this is interesting. Apparently, or according to her, he was taken to the hospital uh, because he was getting chest pains and he was, uh, I guess, ready to pass out and he was on the set. He was doing his show. Took him to the hospital. The emergency room doctor ordered uh, tests for him for, you know, uh, uh, what do you call them, radiology tests, uh, x-rays. Uh-huh. And they took him up to wherever they took him up to, the, I guess, the cardiologist and the radiologist did not do the x-rays, treated him for a heart attack when, in fact, oh, he had, a, yeah, he had a, a vascular problem that was hereditary, a hereditary congenital, could have been treated apparently. I mean, I don't know, but this is the case that's going on right now. If he, if he had just been, if they had just taken the x-ray and they would have been able to see what's going on, diagnosed it correctly and not treated him for a heart attack. You know, it's similar with Heath Ledger. 
you know, what's going on, who prescribed the drugs, how did he get them? Same issue. Well, one of the things with Keith Ledger, as I understand it, is that he, he had three or four different drugs. They don't know whether one doctor prescribed or two, all the or drugs. Or he got them or on the street. But apparently, according to one of the physicians that I saw, this is also on television this morning, we've got one minute left and we're going to have to leave with this one, was that um, he had an upper respiratory infection. Exactly, he one, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So that really compromised his immune system, <clears throat> so to the point where it may not have happened even if he hadn't been sick himself. Anyway, lots to talk about. You feel better. Go to bed. Thank you. Get up. <laughs> drag yourself to the speech. Four hours. Or get somebody to drive you there. How about That's that? That's an interesting thought. Yeah, I'll leave you with that one. You have a wonderful day, too. Thanks. <laughs> have a great day. I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Deller, and you've been listening to Voice America Women's Network. Hope you had a good time. Uh, we'll see you next week. Hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.